All right. Take your Bibles this morning, if you would. Go with me to the book of Jeremiah. I know some of you already turning to Ruth. I know we're not done yet, but I, I, I just can't get away from it. Uh, I just could not get all this off my heart this morning. Take your Bibles, go to the book of Jeremiah. If you don't like that, blame Lucas. He asked me last night what I was going to preach on. I told him I wasn't going to tell him, and he just pestered me and pestered me and pestered me. And I finally said, I'll probably preach out of the book of Ruth. And anytime I tell somebody what I'm preaching, it always changes. So you just, you just blame Lucas. Uh, but went home last night and just could not get this off my heart. And uh, just won't try to be hip to us. It'll be a little bit of a recap uh, for some of you tonight I, or this morning. I realize that uh, some of you that's there to revive up at Friendly Grove, you've heard this already. Uh, but it always, always different. You never preach, even if you preach the same message and intend to preach it the same way. Uh, the Lord always give you something else, take you another way, and uh, so you don't tune out on me either this morning. Uh, but just something the Lord put on my heart heavy this week in revival, and uh, just hadn't been quite able to get it off my heart and off my mind. Book of Jeremiah, chapter number eighteen. Jeremiah, chapter number eighteen. When you find your places, you stand with me if you can in Eba, in honor and reverence to the reading of the word of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter number 18, and uh, I'll read several places this morning, but you just stay with me and I'll tie it all together as we go, all right? Look with me in verse number one. The Bible said, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, arise and go down to the potter's house and there I'll cause thee to hear my word. So uh, we know chapter 18, if you've been to church any length of time at all, you've heard somebody uh, preach out of Jeremiah on going to the potter's house. Now we'll look into it in a little bit more detail, but most of us are familiar uh, with that this morning. <coughs> look at verse 18 of chapter 18. The Bible said, Then said they, the people that Jeremiah uh, has preached to, you could say, Then said they, Come uh, and let us devise devices against Jeremiah, for the law shall not perish from the priests, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come and let us smite him with the tongue. Uh, notice this last phrase. And let us uh, not give heed to any uh, of his words. Now, watch chapter 19, verse number 1. Thus saith the Lord, go and get a potter's earthen bottle, take of the ancients of the people and of the ancients of the priests, uh, and go forth unto the valley of the son of Hinnom, uh, which is by the entry of the east gate, and proclaim there uh, the words that I shall tell thee. Now one more verse. Uh, go with me to verse number 10 of chapter 19. Bible said there, then, uh, that, that then shalt thou break the bottle uh, in the sight of the men uh, uh, that go with thee. Lord, hit me. Uh, I preach a little while this morning on this thought, uh, when the bottle breaks. Uh, when the bottle uh, breaks. Chapter 19, verse 1, the Lord told Jeremiah to go get a bottle. Uh, and then in verse 10, Elaine, he said, take that bottle, uh, and I want you to break uh, the bottle. There's some, there's some things here we realize that uh, Jeremiah's prophesying to the nation of Israel, but uh, I believe there's some things that we can make application to our own hearts and lives this morning. You pray for us and with us as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I should love you this morning. Lord, I'm thankful. God, for the privilege, God, the honor to be back in your house. Lord, I pray that you'd help us never to take for granted the assembling of ourselves together. Lord, I don't know all the hearts tonight. Lord, 
I don't know all the needs, but Lord, I'm glad that you do. Lord, I pray that, Lord, I realize that we're assembled here this morning, and Lord, you've laid this on my heart for a reason. Lord, there's a purpose. Lord, I pray that you do that. Lord, that only you can. Lord, if it be one of the midst lost, undone without you, Lord, I pray you'd save them for it's everlasting too late. Lord, if they be one discouraged, I pray to encourage your heart. Lord, if they be one walking far this away, would you draw them up close to you once again? We'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. You be seated. And thank you for standing. Now, uh, quickly, let's get just a little bit of an introduction. And uh, I promise you my introduction will be far longer uh, than my message will. So you just bear with me. And uh, I just want to show you a few things and a few things about those few things. And it probably won't take me more than about an hour and a half. All right? Uh, now, listen. Chapter 18, back we know the story about the potter's house. The Bible said that uh, surely the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah and said, Go down to the potter's house, uh, and there I'll cause thee to hear my words. And I believe it's about verse 3. Jeremiah said he just got up and uh, just went on down to the potter's house. And uh, I could really just stop right here and give you the whole gist of my message, but uh, I'll give it to you, but I still want to tell you a few things and a few things about those things, all right? Uh, But can I say this? We learned a great lesson from Jeremiah. Bible said the word of the Lord came to him and said, Rise, go to the potter's house. You know what Jeremiah did? Johnny got up and he went to the potter's house. Yeah. It'd save us a whole lot of heartache and a whole lot of trouble and a whole lot of trials uh, if we'd just learn to do what the Lord tells us to do. Do you know that? Uh, and so Jeremiah was just obedient to what the Lord said. And then the Bible said, let's read it if you will, verse number, uh, verse number three, Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, uh, he wrought a work on the wheels. He went down to the potter's house, and uh, that potter was making a vessel had uh, a clay that was on the wheel. Verse four, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel. It had seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you this potter? Uh, saith the Lord, Behold, as the clay uh, is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand. O house of Israel, verse 7 uh, through about verse 10, he, the Lord just tells Israel that he's able, if he wants to, to raise them up and bless them. Uh, uh, but he's also able, if they rebel against him, uh, he's able to pluck them down. Isn't that right? Uh, he said, I can bless you and exalt you uh, and raise you up, but I'm also able, uh, if you'll not hearken to my words, if you'll not do what I say, uh, if you if you choose to be rebellious, uh, I can also bring destruction uh, in this land. Isn't that right? Uh, and the same said for you and I tonight, uh, uh, this morning you realize, now uh, I know it's not real popular preaching, but it's Bible preaching. Uh, uh, if you want to be blessed by the Lord, and you want to have the blessings uh, and the peace of God, you must uh, uh, be obedient to the word of God and the will of God. Did you know that? Uh, uh, it's essential tonight. Uh, and so the Lord said, if you want to be obedient, you'll do what I say. Uh, uh, then Leona, he said, I'll build you up. I'll make a great nation out of you. Uh, I'll bless you. I'll provide for you. Uh, I'll care for you uh, if you'll be obedient. But if you choose not to, uh, uh, you're just like that clay in the potter's hands. Uh, uh, the same potter that can build you up uh, uh, can also take you down. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, the Bible 
said in fact that uh, I believe it's in verse 4 it said that uh, the, the, the clay that he's working on surely the vessel uh, was marred uh, in the hand of the potters the potter was making that vessel uh, uh, he realized Jessica there was something wrong uh, it might have been an air pocket they tell me that's the most common uh, problem in pottery that uh, uh, air gets in there and they, that potter knows that uh, because that air is there when the fire comes when they put them in that kiln uh, uh, if that air stays in that vessel uh, uh, that it'll explode inside the kiln and can I say this tonight the reason some of you uh, seems like the Lord keeps tearing us down is because there's something in our life John we won't get rid of uh, and the potter knows unless that gets out of our life uh, uh, when the fires of life come uh, uh, that it'll not harden us it'll not purify us uh, uh, but it'll destroy us as long as we harbor uh, that sin in our life uh, and so the Bible said the potter uh, uh, brought the clay down uh, he completely redid uh, uh, what he already worked on he completely uh, brought it back down uh, and Elaine the Bible said you tell me if I'm wrong uh, uh, that he made it again another vessel uh, as seemed good unto him to make isn't that right uh, because of that whatever that whatever marred uh, that vessel whatever it was uh, it was bad enough surely uh, uh, that the potter had to take it all the way back down to original form, just a piece of clay, uh, and had to make it again. Alright, how do you realize that what it, let's say tonight, this morning, how that he was making a vase out of that piece of clay? Well, whatever it was, surely it was bad enough uh, that he had to cut some of it out, uh, and there wasn't enough to make a vase anymore. That right, brother Corey. What the picture is uh, is that what the potter originally intended to do with that clay uh, uh, now, because it was marred, he had to take it down, get rid of the imperfections, uh, and make it again into another vessel. Uh, uh, that clay was not able to be made in what it originally uh, uh, was planned to be made into. Uh, can I say this? I'll be honest with you tonight. I, I hope you are this morning. I hope you stay with me. Can't y'all tell I've been preaching revivals? I I think it's all the time not time now but listen stay with me this morning you say preacher what are you saying well I wonder how many of our lives God may have had a plan and God may have had a purpose but John because we refuse to get the imperfections out of our lives because we refuse to bend to his will he had to tear us down and make us another vessel isn't that right that's the word picture that's what's happening here in our text now watch this I want to give you a few things. Uh, notice with me in chapter, verse, chapter 18 verse 1 through about 10. I want you to notice the Lord's request. Now he didn't come to Israel and say I command you uh, to be obedient to me. He didn't come to Israel and say I, I, I require you to be obedient to me. In fact, all the way back in the book of Genesis, uh, when the Lord called Abraham out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees, uh, uh, he chose the nation of Israel, John, to be his people. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? The Israel was God's chosen people here in Jeremiah chapter 18. The Lord didn't have a command. He, wa he wasn't pronouncing judgment. He wasn't pronouncing condemnation, surely. He just come by and said, if you want me to bless you, I wish you'd just bend to my will. 
If you want to have the blessings of God uh, and you want me to help you and you want me to provide for you, I really wish you'd just be like that clay in the hand of a potter uh, and just bend to my will. Isn't that right? It was a request. He just come by. Corey, he wasn't making them do it. Uh, he, he wasn't forcing them to do it. Uh, he just come by and said, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Uh, but if you won't, I'll do that. Isn't that right? He had a request uh, for them. Now, uh, with that thought, let me give you a few things. Things. Notice with me uh, the plan of the potter. Now you say, preacher, what do you mean? The Lord told Jeremiah, he said, I want you to go and I want you to take that piece of clay and I want you to tell Israel that you're just like this clay. You're the clay and God's the potter. Isn't that right? And he's making you into what you are to be. And if you refuse to be bend to his will, uh, he'll bring you down and make you another vessel. Isn't that right? He said, you're just like this clay. I'll show you something about the plan of the potter. You know what every potter in the country that's worth their salt, do you know the one thing they have in common? They'll, yeah, you may go, some of you ladies may, uh, well, let, me just, let me just go ahead and pull this out. Some of you ladies may go to uh, some little place and you may love stuff like this. And, uh, you, but if you went to the potter himself, you know what you'd do, you'd go and you'd tell him, I need a vase. You describe to them, John, what kind of vase you needed, or what kind of bottle, or what kind of bowl, or what kind of cup, or whatever the case may be. You describe it to them. Well, that potter, to make has got to have clay to make that. But what happens oftentimes, Kirk, is they have more clay. It's hard to find the exact right amount of clay to make a bowl or a vase or whatever. So they'll have more than what they need. But you know what they tell me? I've talked over the last couple of weeks to several potters, and I, I, I've emailed with them, talked to them. Some of them I knew personally, some of them I didn't. But every last one of them told me the same thing. It is our desire to use every square inch of clay that's in our shop. I'll let that sink in just a minute. It is our desire to use every square inch of clay that's in our shop. Ronald, if he's going to be, if he's going to, I don't know if that's a bottle or a vase, it's going to be a bottle this morning, but uh, let's just say that it's a bottle. And I went and I described that to the potter. It'd be hard to get just enough clay to make that exactly. They'd have more left over. They don't just throw that away, Kirk. They, it's their desire to use every square inch of clay. It's amazing to me how that Bible's laid out. Brother Kenny got on a little bit this morning. Remember what the Bible said over in Genesis 2 that God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. You know what man is? Just a vessel of clay. That's what clay is, just dirt. Do you know that? That's what man is, is just a vessel of clay. Can I say this? Every last one of us in here, from the oldest to the youngest, man, woman, boy, girl, despite your race, despite your creed, despite your wealth, your, your wealth, despite uh, your social standing, despite whatever it is, any kind of uh, uh, any kind of description you want to use, despite any of it, uh, do you realize tonight that this morning uh, that God created you uh, for a purpose, and He has a plan uh, for every last. One of us, isn't that right? If we're the clay and he's the potter, he desires, Kirk, to use every square inch of clay. There's not one person in this building this morning that God looks at and says, I don't care. 
and cuddly compared to what I did Monday night. So you better just jump on the bandwagon. I come in, you can ask him, Wendy, am I telling a lie? I come in Monday night and I said, I, I, that's how I opened up my message, Ronald. I come in and I said, I'll tell you what's wrong with You might as well just get with me. God wants to use every single one of us this morning. Despite our past, despite our present, despite uh, whether we think we can be used or not, uh, the potter has a plan uh, uh, for the clay this morning. Isn't that right? The, the, the plan of the potter. Not only that, I want you to notice the process of the potter. Man. The process of taking clay and making a vessel is a very long process. Uh, the whole time that this God hit me, uh, from the time the potter gets the clay, it's very rare, Leona, for the potter's hands to ever leave it. It's a hands-on process. There's a lot of things, Brother Corey's been automated, but potter is not yet one of Not real potter. You, know, you might get some uh, uh, fake potter, but I'm talking about real pottery, Ronald. The potter's hands must be on the clay. Isn't that right? I mean, from the time they bring that clay into their, into their shop, uh, they've got a table. I wish I could remember what it's called. I still can't remember. I couldn't remember Monday night neither. But uh, they throw that clay up there, and, and they begin to work. And I mean, they, they spend days just uh, pulling it and pulling it back over on top of itself and kneading that clay and working that clay and working out the end. still choose to make their own clay, and they'll take the dirt, and how uh, they have to add so much water, and they have to add uh, so much of this and take out this. And it's a long process. And uh, they put it inside this vat. And they climb up in it and uh, stomp on that clay and, and push out the air and get rid of all the. I mean, it's a long process uh, that that potter is constantly. God, I'd love to preach every bit of that too. There's a lot of typology right there. Uh, uh, but he's constantly got his hand on the clay. In fact, they tell me that uh, even before they throw it up on the wheel, which is what we think of a lot of times in pottery, uh, there's a lot of things Jessica must be done. Uh, but then when they finally come to that wheel, uh, uh, there's a couple things. Things I want to show you real quick. Uh, uh, they tell me that they'll take that clay, uh, and when it comes time to put on the wheel, they literally slam it down just as hard as they can. So they want that clay to stick uh, to the wheel. There's no reason for that clay to come off the wheel uh, until the potter gets done forming it. Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, then you know what they do? God help me. Uh, uh, that, that whatever kind they're using, they, they may have to pump it. They may have one that's automatic, but they'll get that wheel to turn him and that clay's right in the center of that wheel and that keeps everything so everything's got to be done precise to be symmetrical and to be right and so that wheel's a turning and the first thing they'll do they'll have a cup of water right there beside them surely and they'll dip they'll dip at least one well both hands actually they'll get both hands wet Bible said that we're made clean through the washing of the water of the word, isn't that right? Can I show you something? God will never correct you. God will never mold you. He'll never form you unless it's through that Bible, isn't that right? It's a wet process. Uh, that by water, still water, Corey, is always a picture of the word of God. And he always uses the word of God to mold and to correct and to form. It's a wet process. Uh, and he wants to use every inch of the clay, isn't that right? Uh, but Kirk, it's always done through the word of God. Uh, he always wets his hands uh, with the word of God to mold, form us and mold us and use us. Now, here's what I really want to get to this week, and it just blew my mind. I didn't know much about pottery, really. I'd preached through Jeremiah 18 several times, but I, didn't, I never had thought about this. 
They tell me that clay's on there, they've got their hands wet now. And the reason they wet those hands is because if they don't, their, their, that clay would naturally stick to your hand. And so, John, when that clay hit, it just tear it all to pieces. Right? And I know sometimes a man has got to get up and preach the Word of God, and it feels like it's cut you to the bone. Oh, but friend, without the Word of God, it'd rip you to shreds. Isn't that right? The judgment and the holiness of God would rip us to shreds if not for the water of the Word of God. Isn't that right? Amen. Now watch this. Hey, throw that up there. They've got their hands wet. And this one hand, Elaine, they tell me that potter's got a special place on that wheel. And they anchor their hand right there. And that clay, Michelle, is a spinning right up against their hand. And this hand is called the outside hand, Tamika. And it never, God hit me. I know where I'm going. It never leaves the clay. Never during the whole process, Ronald, does it come off of the clay. The whole purpose of it is to hold that clay together so it doesn't fly off the wheel. Yeah. Is that right? Aren't you glad tonight, God? I know sometimes it ain't a pleasant process for God to begin to remove some things out of your life and begin to form you and make you into something else. I'm not going to be—I'm not going to lie to you. It's not always a pleasant process. It goes against our nature. It goes against our being. It goes against our will. We have to submit ourselves to the will of God. But aren't you glad that God's got an outside hand that holds us together? Most of us this morning would have done lost our ever-loving mind had it not been that God the Father had. His hand, that outside hand, that God helped me, uh, uh, that held us together and kept us on the wheel. Uh, uh, this that outside hand uh, that holds it together and makes it uniform. Uh, uh, that outside hand uh, is important this morning. In fact, they tell me if at any moment that outside hand was moved, or they tell me that, that clay just fall apart and sling all over the shop. Uh, and it, everybody, isn't that right? Yeah. But that potter knows that. And they keep their hand right anchored. Uh, I mean, it's sure. Uh, it's steady. Uh, it's unmovable. It's unchanging. Uh, and that clay spins against it. Uh, and it keeps the clay intact. There's an outside hand. But then there's an inside hand. They throw that clay down there. They put that outside hand there to hold the clay. And the other hand, Michelle... God help me, is inserted down inside the clay. There's an outside hand on the outside of that clay. Then there's an inside hand that goes down in that clay. Can I say this? That's how God changes. God, if it's up to us, I'll tell you what we'd do. If it's up to us, we'd change everything on the outside. That's what everybody sees. In our mind, we'd change. We'd put on a new dress, and we'd put on a new suit, and we'd, we'd do this, and we'd... we'd, we'd talk different and we'd act different and the truth of the matter is friend none of that ever works because we're changing the outside uh, but the Bible said out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh isn't that right you try to change your mouth uh, but what's in your heart will come out eventually so God doesn't worry so much about the outside uh, as it does the inside I'll give you a good example I had a, had a friend of mine call me the other day he said, preacher, there's a, there's a young lady in our church. And he said, she's, he said what she's aware, and he said, it's, it's a distraction to me. It's a distraction to other men in the church. He said, I, I, I don't want to hurt her feelings. He said, but I'm just going to be honest with you. He said, something's going to have to give. He said, and John, he asked me, he said, I'm asking you personally, what would you suggest I do? And what I told him, I said, mount that pulpit on Sunday. Preach whatever God lays on your heart. And let God work it out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy, it bogged down right there, didn't it? I said, mount that pulpit on Sunday, preach whatever the Lord lays on your heart, and let God 
work it out. Isn't that right? Amen. That's amen, friend. Uh, you say, preacher, what are you saying? It's not an outside problem. It's an inside problem. Let God do the work on the inside. Let him hold her together. Let him stick his hand down in her heart and begin to mold some things. And show, Amen. Isn't that right? He can do a better job showing her than I can. He can. Uh, and let God work on her. Uh, and as her inside, her heart, and her soul gets fixed, uh, he'll have no choice but to show up on the outside. That's right. Jesus told them Pharisees they're like white sepulchers he's pretty in paint on the outside but inside full of dead men's bones isn't that right I'm convinced I pastor a bunch of them amen hey look I told you you might as well get with me I'm starting to go back over to Monday night ain't I listen to me I'm convinced there's a lot of people look good on the outside they're clean shaven they've got on nice clothes they know the lingo they know when to say amen they know when to raise their hand they know when to give a prayer request they know halfway how to give a testimony but inside Ronald they're full of dead men's bones and they're vile and they're wicked isn't that right it's God that puts his hand on the outside that inside hand that's where all the pressure comes that's where all the pressure's applied. That's where the molding's done. That outside hand keeps everything uniform. But the inside hand uh, is what molds the vessel. Uh, hey, can I show you something? Watch this. It's, I like to have a shout and fit when I seen this. Watch this. Somebody hit me. Help me, Chris. Let me see your hands. Stand up a minute. Watch this. Now, it's going to be the clay. That right? You know what we try to do? We're all the If I was a potter, I'd want that outside to be pretty. So that potter knows if he just keeps that hand right there, it'll match his hand. Ain't that right? Whatever curve he puts on his hand, it'll be the curve on that vessel. Now watch this. So that potter puts his hand right there. Then all the pressure is done on the inside. But watch this. While that, while that clay may feel some pressure, you know what I'm really pushing up against? I'm not pushing against that clay. I'm pushing against my hand. Ain't that right? Y'all ain't getting that. Say that. When you do that, that clay has no choice but to match what this hand is. Is that right? And watch this. That clay can't, that clay can't fall apart because there's only so far I can push it. Is that right? It's got to match that hand. Aren't you? Thank you, brother. Ain't, that, ain't you glad tonight that that's how God is? He's got that outside hand. It may not always be fun, but he's not just pushing on you. He's pushing against him. That right. He's only so far you're going to go this morning uh, because that's where his hand is. Uh, and everybody, isn't that right? It may feel like you're about to be in out of whack. Uh, it may feel like you're about to fall apart. Uh, but there's nowhere you can go smash between the two hands of God. Headband, friend, that right? Uh, and you've got no choice uh, uh, but to match it. Headband, friend, uh, if you'd be willing to bend uh, uh, your will to his will, uh, you'd have to match him, isn't that right? There's the plan of the potter, the, the, of the potter. There's the process of the potter. Let me say this. Notice the prerogative of the potter. Watch what your Bible says in verse 4. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, uh, as seemed good, watch this, to the potter to make it. Here's where the problem comes in. There ain't a one of us this morning, I believe, if, you, if you've been to church any length of time, I, I'd say even somebody in here this morning lost as a goose. You realize that there's a God. You realize that he's higher than you. And you, you don't have any problem letting him mold on you a little bit. You don't have any problem letting him make a few changes. I'd say if we'd all be honest, we'd all raise our hand and say, Preacher, if I'd been honest, there's some things that I, I, I'd be all right with God changing. There's some things I'm not real happy with in my heart. There's some things I'm not real happy with in my life. It'd be all right for the Lord to change me. But it'd be the potter. Never one time did he look down and say, Piece of clay, what would you like to be? That right? 
He said, it's marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel. It seemed good to the potter to make it. See, it's the potter's prerogative, Ronald, what he makes. There ain't never been one piece of clay look up at the potter and say, no, I don't want to be a vase. I'd rather be a bowl. Is that right? There ain't never been one piece of clay look up and say, no, I, I, I don't much want to be a, a cup. I'd rather be one. I don't know what all kinds of things they make, but uh, they make, the potter makes uh, what he wants to make. Isn't that right? In fact, let me show you something. Let me tell you why this is so serious. Child of God, watch this. If I went to a potter's shop today and I walked in and I said, listen, I need a bowl. That's what my family needs is some bowls. Well, we can't even eat soup because we have no bowls. I need some bowls. That's what I need. My youngins need bowls. We have to eat out of I have a desperate need, Michelle, for bowls. That's what I, I've got plenty of cups. I've got plenty of plates, but I need some bowls. That's what I need. I need bowls. Well, that potter, just imagine with me. I know it sounds crazy, but that potter goes around and he gets the clay. And he begins to form that clay. And that clay looks up at Pepper and says, I don't want to be a bowl. I want to be a vase. Is that right? And so the potter allows that clay to decide what it's going to be. Well, there too comes by, and I come to get my bowls. And I'm looking forward to my youngins being able to eat their Cheerios. And I'm looking forward to being able to eat a, a big bowl of vegetable soup. I mean, that's what I need in my house. And I come, and instead of four bowls, there's four vases. Well, I don't have what I need. Is that right? It didn't mean no good for that clay to decide what it wanted to be because, see, I, the potter knew uh, I needed a bowl. Isn't that right? Can I tell you something? God, the potter, and us, the clay, he knows what this community needs. Did you know that? He knows what your family needs. Well, it's getting awful quiet. He knows what your family needs. He knows what this community needs. He knows what this church needs. Amen. He knows what this state needs, what this county needs, uh, what this country needs. Uh, he knows this morning. Uh, why in the world do we sit on the wheel and say, God, I just don't want to go that far. And now I'm going to let you cut a little bit and I'm going to let you mold, but I don't want to much be that. Uh, hey, listen to me. He knows what your home needs, what your church needs, uh, what your community needs. Uh, and he might be willing to use you this morning uh, to meet that need. Do you realize that? How foolish would it be, me needing a bowl for the potter to let the clay decide to be a vase? It'd do me no good. How foolish would it be this morning to let God let you decide you're going to be whatever it is you want to be when that's not what the need is? Amen. That's right. I, Wendy, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to be happy and go, look, I'm trying. I'm trying. I promise you I am. I ain't called y'all rebels not one time, Shirley. I don't know why you're dying on me. Listen to me. The prerogative of the Father is Him that decides what He makes. Now, He's come by and He's given a request. He said, I wish you'd just let me make you what you want me to be, what I want you to be. Watch verse 18 in chapter 18. Watch this. Bible said in verse 18, Then said they, Jeremiah's coming. He said, you're just like this clay. You're the clay, he's the potter. Let him make you what he wants you to be. The Bible said, then said, they come and let us devise devices against Jeremiah. Now, I'm going to show you. It's going to bog down a little bit right here, but I'm going to show you the natural progression of rebellion. That's what they said. Come, let, let us devise devices against Jeremiah. Well, it wasn't Jeremiah they had the problem with. Is that right? Watch verse 1. 
I believe the Bible said something to the effect, I may not get it just quite right, but something to the effect of this. Then came the word of the Lord unto Jeremiah saying, ain't that right? Wasn't Jeremiah's word that he told them. It's the Lord's word, isn't that right? But you mark her down, honey. The first progression in rebellion against the man of God, the will of God, and the word of God is always come let us devise devices against the man of God. Is that right? It's always the first progression. You see, well, I'm just being honest. I'm trying to help us. You say, preacher, why is that? No, no man's ever seen God. And we've never seen him with a physical eye. But John, you see me every Sunday, every Wednesday, and every Sunday night. You see me. So naturally, the first thing a man, a man does when, when the word of God rubs him the wrong way and he's going to rebel, he says, let's come up with a way to hurt the man of God. Isn't that right? He's the one that told us. Friend, I'm not telling you anything that the word of God didn't say. Isn't that right? I'm not coming in and telling you what I think. I'm telling you what the Lord thinks. Isn't that right? And they said, let us devise devices against Jeremiah. Then they said, look on down that verse. Something to the effect of this. Let us smite him with our tongue. Isn't that right? They got together. They said, well, how are we going to hurt the man of God? What are we going to do to bring some pain to him? First thing they come up with, and it's always the first thing anybody comes up with. They said, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's lay our tongue on him. Let's run, let's run him down. Let's, tell every, let's make him sound as bad as we can to everybody we can. That right? Yeah. Then watch what they say. Last part of that verse. They said, we'll not hearken to anything that he said. Isn't that right? So we ain't going to do a thing that he told us to do. I'll give you three things real quick. Notice their gathering. Watch what your Bible said. They said, come, let, what's that next word? Us. Watch your Bible now. Stay with me. They said, come, let us devise devices against Jeremiah. For the law shall not perish from the priest, nor counsel from the wise, nor the word from the prophet. Come, let what? Us. Smite him with the tongue. And let what? Us. Not give heed to any of his words. Can I say this? You'll never rebel against the will of God, the word of God, nor the man of God, unless you've got to get a crowd together with you. It don't get no better from here, friend. I'm just going to be a hoss with you. You never rebel against the word of God, the man of God, or the will of God unless you get a crowd with you. First thing they said, Jeremiah said, you're just like that clay in the potter's hand. It rubbed them the wrong way, Michelle. And I didn't see it before they ever got the cracker barrel on Sunday afternoon. Hey, five or six of them met out there in the parking lot. They said, what are we going to do about it? Amen, friend. Uh, what are we going to do? He can't keep preaching like that. We'll not tolerate it. Uh, what are we going to do? Isn't that right? Got to have a crowd. Come let us devise devices. Come let us smite him with our tongue. Come let us. Uh, we'll, not give, we'll not give heed to any of his words. Uh, they had to have a crowd. Can I say this? You know what breaks my heart? Those that are decide that they're going to rebel against God. God come by and said, I've just got a request. I wish you'd let me take your life and make it what I want it to be. Those that aren't willing to do that. They're not man enough just to look and say, God, I'm not going to give. Just go do their own thing. No, they got to drag somebody else down with them. Boy, it's a bargain down now, ain't it? They're not man enough just to say, you know what? I don't care what you want to do in my life, God. How not give? They got to drag some. Daddy's got to drag their youngins with them. Head man, daddy's got to drag their wives with them. Head man. 
well, I just feel like preaching a little while. I might as well just do it. Y'all done died on me anyway. I might as well just enjoy myself. A deacon's got to drag half a church with him. Hey, man. Uh, some little church member over here uh, got to drag half that side with them. Hey, man. They're not mad enough just to rebel on their own. Uh, Wayne, they've got to have a crowd. Isn't that right? Hey, man. Hey, man. God, hit me. That's exactly what's what your Bible said. Come, let us. Isn't that right? I ain't never met anybody man enough to rebel against the Word of God that didn't try to get somebody, Brother Corey, to do it with them. Isn't that right? Well, I'll give you an example. Let me ask you this. If drugs are as good as everybody acts, as, as, a, as, a, drug, as a drug addict acts like they are, why is it, Michelle, they wouldn't just want to keep all that to themselves? They've always got to have somebody else. I mean, if this is good, I mean, I'll be honest with you. We went up to Ford back in February, and I went in there in that little, that little store in, uh, in uh, uh, the old mill country store, whatever it was, and Joan, they had some samples over there. And they was, uh, they was, they was several different things. They had some honey. And there's this flavored honey, Elaine. I went in there and they had, they had orange honey. They had strawberry honey. They had peach honey. Then over here on the side, they had some, raz, they had some blackberry honey. And I got me a little spoonful and I squirted that stuff in there and I took a bite of it. And you say, Preacher, who all did you tell about it? I, well, I, I told one or two and then the word spread. And I wished I hadn't told nobody because then everybody said, How about bringing that in tomorrow morning for breakfast? And we'll just all eat some. I didn't want nobody to know, Corey. It's good. I wanted to keep it to myself. But see, when you rebel against the word of God and against the will of God and against the man of God, there's got to be. That's why drug addicts got to have somebody else do it with them. Yeah. They're right. Hey man, that's why somebody going to run around on their wife. They got to find somebody else that's willing to run around on their wife. Isn't that right? They've got to have a crowd. Got to be. It makes them feel better. Oh God, help me! I'm trying. I'm trying, Kirk. That little snowflake, man, be pan, be. God help me. I ain't man enough to just say I'm going to rebel against God. Isn't that right? I, I got to have somebody else to do it. Hey, man, friend, but I'll tell you this. I, I, when you stand at the judgment seat, I, I, when you stand before God, it won't matter how many's on your crowd. I, it won't matter how many has God, you has got your back. I, the Bible said I, over in Revelation 20 I, that you'll stand before the God from whose face heaven and earth I, have to flee. Isn't that right? I, hey, man, friend, I, you'll stand before him one day right. you gotta have a crowd notice their gathering notice their gossip first thing they said was we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna lash on to him we're gonna smite him with our tongue isn't that right you know what's wrong today why a lot of people you can't get nobody to come to church I'm just being honest God hit me I'm just trying to be honest because somebody got their feelings hurt somebody got rubbed the wrong way somebody didn't like what the preacher said Somebody just didn't like what the Bible said. And instead of just manning up and saying, you know what? It's something in my heart ought not be there. And just being man enough to... If you went outside today and cranked your car and there's a strange noise, you took it to the shop and the mechanic said, listen, you've got such and such wrong with your car. You know what you'd do? You wouldn't get mad at him. You wouldn't get upset at him. You know what you'd do? You'd say, how much is it going to cost? And you'd do whatever you had to do just to pay the bill, Michelle. Uh, cause they, and that right, uh, you'd just be...
and enough wrong to say I'll do whatever I have to do because there's something wrong that needs to be fixed. But when it comes to our spiritual lives, uh, the man of God come in and do nothing but preach to you the word of God. Uh, and God come by and say there's some things in your heart ought not be there. Uh, you'll get mad at everybody. You'll pat up. Uh, you'll get your crowd together. Uh, and you go out and run the man of God down for six months uh, instead of just saying there's something wrong in my life. Uh, and being mad enough or a woman enough uh, to just fix it. Isn't that right? You ought to come in every service. I told myself up there uh, in revival this week. You ought to come in every service. This ought to be our desire, every service. We ought to come in every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. We ought to come in and say, Lord, if there's something in my heart ought not be there, if you'll show me in the Word of God, I'll fix it. Is that right? Ain't that right? If you'll show me through the Word of God what needs to change in my life, I'll do everything I can to fix it. Isn't that right? But instead, we'll get mad. I guess we think we're perfect. I guess we think we've done no wrong. We'll get mad when the man of God gets up and says, you ought not be watching what you're watching. We'll get mad when we stand up and say, you ought not be listening to what you're listening to. We'll get mad when he stands up and says, you ought not be going where you're going. Friend, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to help us to see this morning. And we'll get mad. uh, And the first thing you mark it down, you'll latch on to him with your tongue. Remember chapter 20, verse number 9, the Bible said this, said Jeremiah is in prison, and he said, I, he, I'm paraphrasing, but Johnny said he finally got to the place, he said, Lord, I'm not speaking anymore your name, I'm not making mention of it, I'm done, you've lied to me, you've deceived me, I, you, you called me now, oh, it's been trouble, oh, it's been struggle, I, I'm just done, I'm not mentioning any more of your name, I'm not even going to mention you anymore. Then the Bible said, let part of verse 9, but I, the Bible said, but his word was shut up in my heart like a fire in my bones, I, and I could not stay. Isn't that right? Uh, you know what you said, preacher? What are you saying? They start out laying their tongue on him, uh, and Pepper eventually they laid their hands on him. When they started talking about him and that wouldn't work, they grabbed him and threw him into the prison. Isn't that right? That's the end of rebellion. Make you do things you never thought you'd do. But can I show you something? I'm just trying to help us. I wasn't planning on, I planned on being sweet and cuddly. I really was. But can I show you something? When God calls a man to preach, he puts something inside of him. You say, preacher, can you explain it? No, I can't. But I'll just tell you this. I worry. I, I, I've got a lot of worries, surely, about a man who says he's called to preach and don't have a desire to preach. God, I'll be honest with you. You can think I'm crazy if you want to. I, I, I don't feel envious of these young preachers at all. In fact, the Lord smoked my heart this week, Kirk. I, I laid in the bed the other night, and I thought, Lord, please, please don't let anybody call me Sunday night. I just want to go sit down and rest. I, I'm, I'm, I know that sounds funny, but I, I'm tired. You know what the Lord said? He come by and he said, what about all them times you used to go out in that pine thicket and beg me to use you, beg me to open doors. Now I'm opening doors and you get a little bit of use and you say, don't let me go. Ain't that right? I, I mean, God help us. We're pitiful creatures. We really are. I, but I'm not envious. I remember I remember I first left my call to preach and man, I was going, I mean, out for months. I just went ever. I mean, I wasn't a welcome view at all. And then that first dry season came. And the calls quit coming. And I went about two weeks, surely, and didn't preach a time. I didn't preach at Welcome View, didn't preach at another church. About two weeks, I know that don't sound too long to y'all, but I, I mean, I, something I run from as long as I did, God help me, I'd rather do it and eat when I'm hungry. I mean, I love it. God puts a desire in your heart to preach. About two weeks, I hadn't preached nowhere. And I went down the road one day. You can think I'm crazy if you want to. I went down the road one day, and I just preached to myself. I mean, there's just something in me 
Wayne, I couldn't hold it. I mean, there wasn't nothing I could do. I, I, I didn't mean to. It wasn't that I thought. I, I, I just, it wasn't that, John. It just had to come out. It was just something there. It's like Jeremiah said, there was a fire that shut up in my bones. Uh, and I couldn't just sit still. I couldn't just sit on a pew. Uh, there was something that had to be done. Can I tell you something? If he's a real man of God, I'm just trying to help us. It won't much matter what you say about him or what you do to him. If he's a real man of God, as long as there's breath in his body, he'll have to preach. Now, I might be getting ready to hurt some of his feelings, but I'll tell you something else I worry about. I worry about these men that retire from the ministry. I worry about these men that retire from preaching. I don't see anywhere where you retire from a calling. You retire from a career, isn't that right? A calling, that becomes who you are. Isn't that right? Well, y'all stay, y'all lose me. Yeah, I'm spending way too much time on this this morning. Can I say this? Y'all have heard some of you heard me say it before. Fish swims, duck quacks, a preacher preaches. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. Isn't that right? You'll never find a fish that doesn't swim. You'll never find a duck that doesn't quack. And you'll never find a real preacher that doesn't preach. You know what blessed my heart more than anything? A little old fella, I can't even think of his name, down in Georgia, 90-some years old. And he'll come hobbling up there with a cane. John, he can't last 15 minutes no more. But them 15 minutes, I mean, my soul, he'll preach. That right? I watched him other night. He's preaching at church. I watched the live stream. 95, I believe he is. He got plumb tore up, threw that leg up on the pulpit. I mean, God hit me. And I thought to myself, that's exactly what a God called. He may not last an hour and a half anymore. He may not can last 45 minutes. Uh, but in those 15, 5, 10, 15 minutes, Kirk, he's going to do everything he can to fulfill the calling that God put on his life. Isn't that right? And I'm going to tell you, uh, God hit me. I don't know why I'm preaching like this, but I'm just going to. Uh, and you can get mad at me if you want to. Uh, some of you long-tongued Jezebels. Uh, some of you husbands of him picked. Uh, you got a roof on the bedpost every night. Uh, if he's a real God called man of God, uh, it won't matter what you say. Uh, it won't matter what you do. Uh, and if somebody like you can make him quit, uh, he ought to go ahead and quit anyway. Isn't that right? That's exactly right. They said, let us get together. Let us devise devices. They're gathering. They're gossip. They laid their tongue on him. Then watch their refusal to give. That a part of verse 18. Let us not give heed to any of his words. They hardened their heart. They determined they wouldn't do one thing the man of God instructs them to do. Isn't that right? They hardened their heart. And they said, it don't matter what Jeremiah says, we're not going to do it. Harden their heart. Stiffen their neck. And all the Lord said was, just be the clay and let me mold you. Now don't lose me. I'm getting to my message. All this just been introduction. And watch this. All he said was, just let me mold you. But they hardened their heart. They stiffened their neck. And they said, we'll not give heed to any of his word. Can I tell you something? Churches are full of people just like that. Come in service after service. And John, when they walk in, they've already hardened their heart. They've already stiffened their neck. And it doesn't matter. God could come by court and give them exactly what they need to get help. They've done set their head. They're not going to give heed to it. They've done set their head, Kirk. They're not going to listen to any of his words. They're not going to change. They're not going to bow their will to his. They've done hardened their heart. They've done stiffened their neck. Now I want you to notice the Lord's response. Chapter 19, verse 1. Watch what he said. 
The Bible said something to this effect. I may not have it just exactly right, but it's something to this effect. Something to the effect of the word of the Lord came into Jeremiah again saying, go and get a potter's earthen bottle. Isn't that right? You said, preacher, what did he say? Well, the Lord gave him a request, and the people rejected it. Then, notice what he said. He said, Jeremiah, tell you what to do. Go back down to the potter's house. But this time, don't go look at the clay. Go get a bottle. Isn't that right? Now, stay with me. Don't go tell them about the clay. Don't tell them about the potter forming the clay. Go get a bottle and bring it back, and I'll tell you what to do. Watch verse 10, chapter 19. So Jeremiah went. He's got this bottle. Watch this. Then shalt thou break the bottle and the side of the men that go with thee. Shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Even so will I break this people in this city as one breaketh the potter's vessel that cannot be made whole again. And they shall bury them in Tophet till there be no place to bury. Let me give you three things and I'm done. The Lord said, Jeremiah, I want you to go back to the potter's house, but this time instead of telling them about clay, bring a bottle with you. I want you to get all them people that laid their tongue on you, all them people that gathered up against you and devised devices, all those people that hardened their hearts and stiffened their necks and said they wouldn't listen to you. This time, Jeremiah, bring that bottle with you. And when you get there, I want you to hold it up. And I want you to say, last week I told you to use the clay and he was the potter. But you're not the clay anymore. Now you're the bottle. Let me tell you what happened to make this bottle. There was some clay that was formed. That potter surely formed that clay, got it just like he wanted it. Then he took it and put it in the kiln. Isn't that right? And hardened it. See, the potter hardens it when he gets it where he wants it. But see, what they did, rather than letting the potter make them what they wanted to be, they hardened their own heart, stiffened their own neck, decided they would not give, they would not bow. They hardened themselves. See, that clay, what the Bible said, it was marred in the hands of the potter, so he took it down and made it again another vessel, it seemed good to the potter to make it. See, as long as it's clay, it's pliable. As long as it's clay, Kirk, it can't go too far. As long as it's clay, that potter can take it down and make it again. You ever seen your youngins play with Play-Doh? I mean, the other day, Andrew had some Play-Doh, and I mean, he just tore it in a little bit. I mean, it's just everywhere. That stupid kinetic sand, somebody, but God, hit me. But you know what you can do? You can take and get all that stuff together, and you sit there and mash it together. You know what it'll do? It'll eventually go right back like it was. Isn't that right? I mean, as long as it's soft, as long as it's pliable, as long as it's willing to bend, the potter can do something with it. But once it's hardened, it's no longer pliable. Once it's hardened, it no longer bends. Kirk, there's no way you can put that on the wheel and make it again another vessel. Whatever imperfections are in it when it's hardened, that's just what's left. That right? And they harden their heart. They stiffen their neck. Jeremiah came in and said, you're not the clay anymore because you insisted. You had to harden yourself. You had to stiffen your neck. Now you're the bottom. Now, I'll just be honest with you this morning. You stay with me. See if you haven't heard anything else. You stay with me right here. I'm afraid that some of us in here this morning, we're, not, we're very rapidly leaving the clay form and turning into a bottle. Now, I'll preach just a little while on when the bottle breaks. What's what he said? He said, Jeremiah, I want you to take that bottle and I want you to break it. Is that right? Now, you imagine with me. I'm not going to break it. I want to. I really do want to, but I wouldn't do that to Miss Leona. She'd have to clean it up, and I don't want to step on it one day and get it in my foot. But you know, my, several months ago, probably years ago, I used this in another message, but 
I was getting something out of the I was getting something out of the cabinet one day, and a bowl Kendra had fell out, and on it broke. And that was just the biggest piece that was left. I just got the biggest piece. Y'all, I think y'all have heard me preach it. I preached it a couple times uh, in revival. I think y'all might have went with me. I preached a message out of the book of Job on don't throw away the broken pieces. But that bowl hit the ground and shattered. And I remember Pepper for months, I'd come by and sweep. And you'd find little pieces of that bowl. That, I mean, it just seemed like you never, I mean, just little tiny pieces that you just couldn't even see with your eye. I mean, there was no way, Ronald, you could put that bowl back together. In fact, if you did, it had never been right. There's no, no, kind, no amount of glue, tape, anything could have ever made that bowl look like it used to. I mean, it shattered. Isn't that right? But what the Lord said, he said, you're not, the, you're not the clay. You're the bottle. He said, I want you to listen to what, now listen to what Jeremiah said. Can you imagine he come in? He said, remember last week when I told you all to use the clay and you didn't like that? Well, now you're the bottle. And when he said it, Corey, he threw it down the ground and that bottle just shattered. You know what Jeremiah said? I'm just sitting there looking at him and he said, that's what the Lord's getting ready to do to some of you. Is that right? You keep hardening your heart. You keep stiffening your neck. One day God will break your bottle. Is that right? One day God will destroy your bottle. That's what happened to it. That bottle hit the ground, John. It was destroyed. And I'll be honest with you tonight. I'm not trying to be ugly. I know just... Stay with It's bothering me too. I, I mean mourning. I really do. Stay with me. Can I say this? I'm so tired. God knows my heart, surely. I'm so tired of watching families harden their heart, stiffen their neck, and then watching God come by and break their bottle. I'm tired, Jessica, of watching people harden their heart and stiffen their neck and God come by and break their marriage. I'm tired, Michelle, of watching moms and daddies harden their heart, stiffen their neck, and watching God come by and break their families. Now you're looking at me like I've lost my mind, but if you think hard enough, you can think of somebody that refused to give over to the will of God, refused to just listen to the word of God, refused to just listen to the man of God, and eventually they hardened their heart long enough, stiffened their neck long enough that Leona God just come by and just broke their bottle. As graves... I turned in that graveyard. Ken talked about that a little bit this morning, Sunday school. That graveyard's full of people. And I don't know them specifically, but I, every graveyard's full of people, John, that harden their neck long enough, stiffen their neck and harden their heart and, heart, and God just come by and broke their bottle. Took them on out to an early grave. Is that right? Watch what he said. Break the bottle. There come a time, if you refuse to submit, God will break your bottle. There was a destruction. Then I want you to notice with me the despair. Watch what the Bible said. And it cannot be made whole again. Yes. Not only was it broke, but you listen to me right here. There's no way. In fact, I've lost some of the pieces. I've thrown them away. But there's no way, even if I had all the pieces, that I could put that bowl back together and it really be whole. It'd never John be as strong as it once was. Right. It'd never hold water like it used to. Now stay with me. Don't lose me. Can I tell you something? When God breaks your bottle, and I'm not telling you he can't never use you again, but I am telling you you'll never be made whole again. God will never be able to use you like he intended. There's a despair when he breaks your bottle. Then last, and I'm done, notice the death. The Bible says, now shall bury them in Tophet till there be no place left to bury. If you continue, God breaks your bottle, 
There'll be, a, there'll be destruction. There'll be despair. You know what he said? Jeremiah said, listen, if you continue to harden your heart and stiffen your neck, God will plant you six foot under somewhere. Is that right? And that shall bury them in Tophet till there be no place to bury. Friend, I know you don't hear much preaching on it anymore, but there is such a thing as going out to an early grave. You can trample on the blood of Christ long enough, and instead of letting you be a reproach, letting you be a hindrance to the cause of Christ, God just go ahead and take you out. Amen. Oh, it's a serious thing. When God reveals to you something in your life and you rebel against him, say, I'm not being, I'm not bad. He'll break your bottle one day, friend. Uh, he'll break you. Uh, he'll destroy you. Uh, he'll put you in despair. And if you continue to harden your heart, he could just bring death into your house. Isn't that right? It's a serious thing. Can I show you something? I'm done. I promise. 